Welcome back to Hire Everyone. The podcast full of wicked stories from the job market and experts showing us how to succeed in it. Because we've all been there, haven't we? It's time to get unstuck. It's time to make some change. It's time to lead. And it's time to hit that funky beat, Tom Zanza. Yeah, it's that beat, baby. Nikki? Yes? What's happening today? You already know that. We just recorded our guest 65 minutes ago. Well, I I know, but I mean, she's incredible. I mean, what on earth is going on? (laughs) Fair enough. Yes, gentle people, we have the incredible, the legendary, the breathtakingly smart Jackie Hurley with us on the show today. She is, you know, so awesome and so kind and funny and wise and... Oh, good grief, Tom. Enough with the fangirling already. Sorry. Jackie is showing us how to persevere against the odds and get that dream job she always wanted. As a bonus, she's a superstar TV presenter and is teaching us about how to first listen and then present like a total rock star. Go, Jackie! Woo! Let's go get it! (laughs) We've got Jackie in the virtual studio as always. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us, Jackie. I'm so excited about this one, especially being Irish and the connections we have and the things you're going to talk about. It's just so close to my heart. Now, the first thing we want you to do, though, is give our audience your elevator pitch so we know who Jackie is, what she's all about. And I think we're in, I think you're from Dublin. Well, not from Dublin, but you're in Dublin. So let's um, go up the Guinness storehouse. (laughs) Oh, that would just be so lovely if we could do that in person. But because we can't, um, yeah, I'm a broadcaster in Ireland. I work for the National Broadcaster here, RTE. Um, I've been doing this for about 15 years. Um, Recently have gone into the book writing industry as well, which Nikki, I'm delighted to say, is in my most recent book. Um, So, yeah, doing a bit of that, doing a bit of everything and um, just loving sport, really. That's awesome. We've got so much in common, except that I was not arsed to be in your book, but that's all right. What's the title of the <laughs> Next book? Time. Next time. Next time. <laughs> What's the title girls, of the book? Girls Play 2. 2, because it's version number 2. Girls Play 2, 2. Everybody out there, if you're interested, which if you're not, I will find you. I'm going to link um, I'm going to link uh, where you can get the book uh, if it's already released um, in the show notes down under this episode, so you can go have a poke. So... Uh, as always, if you have been on the, if you've been an avid listener of Higher Podcast for a while, we have asked Jackie to withhold some of her most prized career tips and the ways in which she has fashioned her own until the end of this episode, which we are attempting to keep a little bit shorter than usual because we are kind and merciful. Now, let's hop straight into the episode. So, Jackie. Normally on the show, we try to do a little bit of myth busting around the topic that our guest brings. So can extroverts network? Is it ever too late to start your own side hustle? Or does working in marketing mean that you'll become Don Japer in week number two? But, you know, so you get the gist. But today, let's do things a little bit differently. Let's lean into the myths and give the kids something to marvel at, really. You've been working in and around media for ages. Um, Do you have any encounters with the rich and famous of this world that you would care to delight us with? Um, What was the wildest thing that you've ever experienced in your career? So give us the scoop, Jackie. 
Yeah, <laughs> it's funny because in the sporting industry, I try not to fangirl too much because <laughs> when you've been around it your whole life, and I suppose like I've played a lot as well, you kind of just get used to being around athletes. So mm. the times that I fangirl the most is actually when I see like Hollywood actors or musicians <laughs> or that kind of thing. I'm like, oh, wow. And they're like, okay, you talk to famous people all the time. What is wrong with you? Um, the most famous person really that I ever really wanted to interview was Usain Bolt. Um, after the London Olympics, um, they had told us basically that you could get him in the mix zone. He never says no to any interviews, but you might have to wait a few hours for him. We had to wait three hours for him, wow. but he eventually came through. We got 90 seconds and it was 90 of the greatest seconds of my life um, <laughs> asking him just nothing. But it was just, you know, like when you sometimes are standing in the presence of pure greatness, that you're just watching somebody that, you know, you've literally seen obliterate records. It was pretty impressive. Like other than that, I think a lot of the Irish people, Roy Keane would have been a, you know, an absolute hero of mine when I was a kid. And gotten to do a bit of work with him in recent years he's probably the only sports person that I've been really really in, in awe of in this country who I was just genuinely like jaw-dropping afraid to meet um but thankfully look it's a job that brings you all over the world where you get to meet lots of cool people <laughs> absolutely and literally you've just spoken about the Olympics so we can't leave this out but you were at the last Olympics so you're at Tokyo just this year which obviously was a year delayed but we obviously want to hear some of the backstage tea about what it was like the crazy adventures uh, it was very different I was at Rio working for the International Hockey Federation so obviously quite a different experience with COVID-19 and everything like that but can you just go into this and what it meant for you and your career to to cover such a great event and obviously we had a bigger setup you had a, a nice live session from there going back to RT in Dublin so I think we'd love to hear a bit more about that and make us dream a little bit oh I love the Olympics look I'm like you it was kind of one of those you know you're as a kid you love the Olympics you dream about going to the Olympics and for me like I didn't get to go there as an athlete so like doing the broadcasting gig was like my next best ticket so this one was my third Olympics and it was the first time I'd anchored the television coverage because we normally do it from Dublin but this time we decided to go do it from Tokyo mm -hmm. so I was literally standing on top of a building in the middle of Tokyo in 40 degree heat doing live television for eight hours a day and Irish people are not really built for the heat, I found out. Um, so, you know, standing there sweating your face off for nine hours while you're trying to talk to the nation isn't exactly the most desirable thing to do. But what it does do is give you a front row seat to all the magic when it happens. And really, look, I suppose because Tokyo was so weird, like, you know, we didn't think it was going to happen. And then it was suddenly happening. But then there was loads of restrictions. It was like, what's it going to be like? So it was literally... When you got there, you really had to kind of wear your mask 24-7. You couldn't have any interaction with the athletes. Like, so it was just really a different experience. But once it was over, like, so there was an Irish athlete, Kelly Harrington, you know, really proper golden girl of Irish sport in Ireland. And she won a gold medal on the last day of the Olympics. And it was one of those moments where I just got to go to it, got to really enjoy it. And afterwards, I got to bring her back to uh, RTE where we were interviewing her live for the TV program. And I just got to spend the day with her. And she'd had this whole thing where like Hakuna Matata became her, her <laughs> saying from the Lion King. And everyone was like, why does she keep talking about the Lion King? But she was just basically saying, look, no worries. It means no worries. Look, if I win a medal, great, but I'm not going to be defined by it. And like, it got to this thing where like there was memes at home being made of her walking <laughs> along with the Lion King and all. But after the fight, 
the time that we got to spend with her, we got into the car and went back, you know, to the broadcasting center and we had a big sing song singing all the Lion King songs. And I was like, this is just surreal. Like this girl has won an Olympic medal and we're here singing Hakuna Matata. It's just so random, but amazing experiences. And look, you know, when an Irish person does well at the Olympic Games, it really is a special thing. And to be there and to have a front row seat, particularly this time because their families weren't there. I think this time Mm. it became even more important. Mm, I just love the way you just said those like random moments that happen like you know even as an athlete I'm sure when you went to events and tournaments and around the world you just have these really weird moments especially at the end of the event like everyone just kind of relaxes and gets along and kind of hangs out and just random things happen so I love that you brought that up that it happened at the Olympics as well uh, and you know one other one other funny thing that happened actually Nikki right so after an, a person wins an Olympic medal a lot of people probably don't know this but here's a little bit of the, the background because Ireland is such a small country there's a good chance that we know the athletes kind of personally mm-hmm. as well so whenever that we they win we kind of say to them look we'll ask you anything you want you can we, we can go and get it for you so if you want like I don't know Chinese takeaway if you want like when when Gary and Paul O'Donovan won in Rio they just wanted pizza (laughs) Kelly Harrington just wanted a quarter pounder with cheese meal from McDonald's that is all she wanted so when she came back after doing her interview that was just sitting there and it was like if people at home could see that this woman all she wanted was to have a McDonald's it's just uh like it's hilarious the things that athletes you know want and it is as you say Nikki those quiet moments afterwards that are just like not not normal really but in just so so special in so many ways sure you know jackie i mean what you just mentioned sounds a lot more like my personal athletic career which ended at my local <laughs> tennis <laughs> <park> <laughs> on, yeah, which which ended at my which I, I rose to the local um village competition in my local tennis club and you know all we did afterwards was go to mcdonald's and that really was the point <laughs> of the competition as well do i still have a lot of trophies that cost two dollars at the dollar tree yes um do i look at them every now and again yes i'm going to make a very brutal segue into the next segment of um because the two of you, I know, you can go on and on <laughs> and on about your passion. And I didn't go to the Olympics, so I don't care. Anyways, <laughs> you just said, uh, you mentioned something at the beginning of your story, Jackie, where you said, you know, we I had to stand there on a building for if in 40 degree heat and sweat my face off for eight hours a day. But then eventually you got access to all of this magic as well. So in comes the disgusting segue. We want to talk about perseverance a little bit and um, what it means as a career skill, actually, because... On the show, we quite often um, try to disband with this idea that there's, you know, attitude and technical skills, because we believe that things like curiosity or perseverance, these are things that you can learn. Um, and these are things that have to do with uh, with you choosing a mindset rather than uh, for them just happening to you. So we try to bring a bit of counterbalance to this glittering world um, of social media, you know, that sells us that. Uh, people's dream careers is a thing that just materializes if you live your truth and if you're authentic and if you're your best self every day and you sprinkle a bit of fairy dust and call it a day and magical things will happen to you so could you share a moment or two with us where things in your career journey didn't quite work out as you had imagined Oh, there's been lots of them. I mean, the one thing in this career is that you probably get more no's than yeses. And like mm. to make it to the, the top in, in any industry, I think a lot of people will tell you that, that it's just that perseverance of just keeping on going when you keep getting doors shut in your face. And I had a lot of that. Like I applied for jobs. There's a big station in Ireland today, FM. I applied for 
you know, newsreader jobs, sports reader jobs, didn't even get interviews mm. there. I remember one, uh, I applied for a job as a researcher on this show called Ireland AM, which is a pretty big show in Ireland over on TV3. And uh, I was actually heading for the interview there, got as far as the interview stage, was driving down the M50, this big road in Ireland. And I got a flat tire. I pulled over on the side of the road in my suit, which nobody wears a suit to an interview anymore, but I was wearing this like powder blue suit. So I'm on the side of the road trying to change the tire. The whole tire came off, literally covered myself in grease, managed to get the tire back on, didn't have the number. My phone died actually, I think. So I couldn't even ring them to say I was running late. Eventually got to the interview, genuinely about 45 minutes late, walked in the door, covered in like all kinds oh, no. of grease everything off the tire tried to explain it in a way that was like aha one day this will be a really funny story you should hire me because look I turned up anyway and they could not have gotten me out the door fast enough <laughs> I think they were just like this one is absolutely useless and said thanks very much for coming but bye 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 clearly I didn't get that job I did actually meet the producer much later in my life, uh, maybe mm. about like 10 years down the line. And she said to me, actually, she was like, Jesus, I'll never forget your interview. She said, we told people about that afterwards. You want to see the state of this one coming in? And she was like, when you actually made it eventually, she were, they were like, that's her. That's the girl with the tire. You know? So yeah, look, it doesn't, um, it doesn't always work out the way you want it to. But the one thing that I would always say is, if I'd have gotten one of those jobs, there's a very good chance that I wouldn't have ended up with the job I have now. So look, everything does happen for a reason. I really do believe that those jobs actually probably just weren't right for me at the time. And I just had to try a bit harder to get something else. I really believe that. Hmm. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And mine's a, my question is a follow up to that. And um, you've just talked about setbacks and but perseverance and how you've triumphed in major ways since then. And we just like you to give a few more nuggets of information on you know things you've learned on how you did that and like what people can do and don't forget those bad moments you know what can you learn from those bad moments just don't just kind of brush them under the carpet and go okay that was really bad what can you learn from them and how can you use them to get to your next point of your career yeah, a lot of it is actually just taking that experience you know because some of it at the time I probably thought geez, why aren't they hiring me? Like I would have been great at that job. You know, like I just had a bad day kind of thing, you know, but it's actually having that self-recognition of realizing I'm actually not right for that position. And then realizing what you are right for and like putting all your, your heart and soul into that. Like I'd be a big believer in working hard for the things that you really, really want and recognizing what you want is hard for people because you know when you're young and you kind of fall into a career path you don't really know what you want to do you go down a road and then suddenly you're kind of doing it without realizing am I really passionate about this I would always kind of stop and check myself and say do I love this does it motivate me does it make me want to get up in the morning and if the answer to all those questions is yes then I plow really far ahead with it and I think okay what are my next goals what are my next goals what do I want to achieve but actually looking at it in the cold light of day and being really honest with yourself about, is this what I really want, can actually be really helpful. So for me, it was kind of recognizing, do you know what, that was a bad opportunity in terms of it didn't go your way. You didn't put your, you didn't put your best foot forward. The next time that happens, don't do that. Give yourself mm -hmm. an extra hour and never be late for an interview again. You know, and mm -hmm. it's kind of learning from those mistakes, which, look, let's call a spade a spade. We all do that when we're younger, particularly in my early 20s. I probably just didn't have the, I, I suppose I probably wasn't as structured um, 
with myself where like I probably was a bit like Irish or it'll be grand and mm-hmm. not really kind of giving it the full um plan and kind of make giving him my my absolute best shot at things whereas I would never do that now my god if I ever had an interview at something now I'd make sure that I nailed it whereas mm-hmm. I think in my early stages of my career I was probably a bit too casual with things I mm. think is probably the best way of putting it mm. I, I quite enjoy this this idea of because what we try to do which is why we ask the questions in the way that we do is to see if there is any universal practicality to getting back up from uh, from failure when you've fallen and something that everybody can use for the next job interview or to find the next path but really there isn't this is much more about training and upskilling yourself in uh, in like you said recognizing what you actually want because every time that something like this happens that you don't get something that you've been after with uh, so much vehemence it's a strong shock to the system and it can be quite clarifying in many in many ways when you suddenly sit in an interview and you think you've prepared well because you've read the mission statement of the organization well actually you should have read through the whole earnings report that would have mm-hmm. taken you two hours instead of five mm-hmm. minutes but for the next time you know that you're actually going to do it so um, i like this idea of using moments of failure to really introspect um and using that you know that window of opportunity that openness that you're going to have with yourself because you're vulnerable and hurt um and building back stronger so that's an awesome point thank you and you'd be surprised who doesn't do that tom because sometimes i think you know that sort of self-reflection piece where you know if somebody else says something to you your immediate sort of feeling is to be a little bit defensive and be Mm -hmm. like oh well actually that's not how it is at all i'm very good at this how can you not see it whereas actually if you looked at yourself in somebody else's eyes and said, was that, you know, did you put your best foot forward? Did you answer those questions in the right way? As you said, quite rightly there, did you read every piece of information about the company? And, you know, would you do that again? So I think it's sometimes it's very, very hard to do that. And I think the the older I get, the more I realize that asking yourself those tough questions is where you get the most answers, actually, because other people can give you lots, but you will give yourself the best possible criticisms if you're willing to take it. But you just need to be brave enough to look at yourself in the mirror and say, you weren't very good today. And look, even in my own job now, I would listen back to a lot of interviews that I do and I'd be like, oh, that was not good. Or you mm. didn't ask the right question there, or you didn't listen, or you didn't do whatever. And it's not always easy, but I do think it's good practice because it keeps you in check. And mm. I think that's a good thing that we should all try to abide by when we can. Yeah, for sure. It's it's something about always learning, right? And and you never stop learning, especially in jobs like that. Um, the next part is, is something we, you shared with a wonderful piece of information with us during a pre-chat, which we'd love to share with our audience as well. You told us about a particular opportunity that didn't work out, but instead of running for the hills and leaving the organization, you decided to stay. And staying in the end, open your eyes and opportunities to more areas of interest that you had. Um, and then you got an opportunity um, that was, you know, and even the opportunity that you didn't get would have maybe pigeonholed you a little bit more so can you tell us a bit more about that if you want to go into it a little bit more detail yeah it's it's funny like you know the way I talked a little bit earlier on about knowing what you want it's funny how sometimes knowing what you want can change and I probably wasn't open to this at the time but there's a really big show in Ireland called the Sunday game it's probably the biggest show that we have in terms of sport here it's about our our own native sports hurling and football um and it's a massive show that i grew up watching the guy who presented it was a guy called michael lester he had done it for 35 years and it came time to finding his replacement and i was in the running for it um i didn't end up getting the job which at the time 
was all I could see. It was all I could think about. I couldn't sleep at night. I genuinely found it really, really hard to imagine my life not in the role because I visualized myself doing it. I'd had discussions with my boss about the potential of doing the job. And he just, he went a different way. He gave it to somebody else. And look, that's completely his decision. But at the time, I really, really, I felt at the time it was the wrong decision because I, I felt like I was the right person for it. But it, it really broke my heart in a way that I wasn't expecting. I genuinely, it was the biggest career setback I'd ever faced in my life. And at the time, I'd been offered a couple of different jobs to leave the organization. And there was one in particular that really, I suppose I gave a lot of thought to. It got to the point when I, I really was about to leave the organization. Um, that boss actually ended up leaving and another boss came in and kind of talked me into staying and not by promising me anything, actually. The one thing that he said was, look, I'm not going to beg you to stay or promise you anything to stay. But what I do want you to see is that there's wider opportunities that you need to mm. be open to. And actually having the clarity at the time, I, I sort of just said to him, look, I really need some headspace here. Mm -hmm. And I went away on holidays. I took a lot of time off and just really gave it some proper thought and just thought about what else was there. Because it's very funny, you know, when you go, you get so tunnel visioned and it's all you can see. It, mm -hmm. it literally consumed all of my thoughts doing this job. Um, and it was actually only when I stood back, it probably took about a year, actually. Um, it took about that time to just like it was almost like a grieving process, mm -hmm. like for the job that I, I really wished I, I had. But now, with the benefit of hindsight, I recognize that actually that job, like as Nikki, as you said there, it would have pigeonholed me. I would have been just doing GAA and I love all sport. And now I'm in a situation where I've got to do loads of soccer in the last couple of years. And I've really loved that. Got to do World Cups, got to work on European Championships. I got to do the Olympics. And now... um. It's just been announced there in the last couple of weeks that I'm going to be doing the rugby as well. And, you know, like just getting those opportunities, I never saw them coming. I just I couldn't have thought that that world would open up to me in a way that when I was growing up watching TV, I just never would have imagined that those opportunities would come. But suddenly I'm there thinking, God, the world really is at my feet now in terms of the amount of opportunities that are out there. But I just I couldn't see it. But now with the benefit of hindsight and recognizing that, the right thing to do was just take a step back and see it for what it was. And yes, be brokenhearted and yes, be devastated that my dream didn't come true. But actually, I'm just fulfilling a different dream now. And it's taken me in far greater places than I thought was imagined. Genuinely, that that's the way I feel now. I really, really do. Mm. But I, I probably needed that time away mm -hmm. to actually recognize that. Oh, that's amazing and congratulations on that new announcement I thought it was awesome the other day it's really <laughs> cool to see you in rugby oh, now as well <laughs> adding another another sport to the to resume it's amazing um the next part our last part is what, Tom, what are you laughing <laughs> no, I'm laughing I bet you can play all the sports as well Jackie right that's it like, yeah. if I, yeah, I try me, to right? tell myself that Nikki I think yeah <laughs> I'm gonna have to, that's gonna be have to be your first episode will be our first show will be playing rugby and see how you go oh, <laughs> can I just say something really quickly i find this so fascinating because nikki you and i we speak all the time about how motivations can change throughout mm -hmm. your life um and i think remaining open to the opportunity to the possibility is is also really powerful um skill that we should all retain and it's so funny because when you and i started this podcast in i think we spoke about it last year already mm -hmm. in 
August at some point. We sort of schemed this up and then in February we actually did it. I listened to other people's podcasts. I saw their social media presence and I thought this is the most exciting thing on the planet. And we did and it still is. And now I'm hearing Jackie speaking of... I want to be in media too. I want to cover current <laughs> events and be in the surge and tug and pull and, um, you know, have fresh things sort of slap on my plate nonstop. Uh, so, you know, I think we all have more appetite and more ability to also dig into these different fields than we are made to believe. Like mm-hmm. we just said on our Instagram feed, you're more than just one thing or this one mm-hmm. job description. And we tend to all be pigeonholed into this one, you know, mono mono skill career um direction you know you study marketing and you have to do marketing forever and i I think it's just it's you know it's time that we evolve a bit more and go after the things that really make us happy even if that's something new tomorrow that we didn't know was there yesterday i totally agree totally agree tom and i think look the more open to to that that we all are then the more opportunities we give ourselves yeah, sure. very true, very true. Very Tom, true. over to you. We're into skills. The last we're into skills, work. but yeah. hold on. Promotional break. <laughs> oh, yeah. Pat interrupt. Hey, you. Yeah, you out there in the, in the audience. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I see you. Uh, are you following Go Higher Podcast on Instagram? You really want to because we're very funny. We're really funny. <laughs> and you want to have a good laugh, you know? Autumn is coming. It's raining. So go over there. Oh, wait, you're on LinkedIn? Not a problem. We're there too. Oh, yeah. Oh, where's the link? down in the show notes thank you very much bye all right popping you into the skill advertising though of course i'm advertising but for ourselves there's going to be like a little i'm going to add like a little like a little a jingle. jingle in post exactly we've reached the last third of our episode with you jackie which is my absolute favorite third of all thirds it is where we make ruthless grabs for skill sets you have worked so hard for your entire life and offer them out to our audience free of charge so Um, As a sports presenter, one would imagine that talking is where the golden nugget is really hidden for you. But according to you, it is actually learning how to listen skillfully. So show us how it's done. How does one listen and why does it matter? Well, the biggest thing I have always said, the biggest mistake that a lot of people make is that they talk too much and they don't listen. So if there's people out there who are listening who maybe think, yeah, I want to get into the media, the best thing that you can do is do your prep. Have an idea of where the conversation wants to go. But if somebody jumps in and takes it in a different way than you were expecting, go with mm. it. You know, because I think a lot of people, there's a tendency to write down your 10 questions and start with one and go to 10. And even if they answer question number nine, then you'll still work through and come back to nine, even though they've already answered it. Yeah. I would always say in your head, you know, and, and a good a good way of doing this is actually like when I kind of started, I would take out a A4 sheet of paper and, you know, you have those kind of spidograms where in the middle you mm-hmm. might write Nikki Simmons and then you'll just put all these little arrows around with all the things that you might want to talk about. And mm-hmm. so actually hitting them because it's circular. So if you think about that's your that's your diagram, it should be circular. It's not linear. So it should be able to bounce around the way you want it to. And if you jump from one side of the circle to the other and then come back, you can actually physically do that on your page. You can knock it off and say, okay, we've covered that. All right, we're going to come to this. Now we're going to come to this. And actually, it's a really good skill set to get into because it stops you doing that linear, okay, now we're going to talk to you about X, Y, Z, and then we're going to move on to Y, you know. And it just, I think to, to me, it was just developing that habit of letting somebody speak and giving them the room to speak, because sometimes we want to jump in as well. And look, you know, I'm guilty of this as well, where, you know, you're so intrigued and you're like, yeah, but, 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 but can I ask you about this? <laughs> and actually sitting back and pausing 
So I started doing this other thing where when, you know, sometimes you have that awkward silence at the end of an interview, Mm -hmm. but it's really good because somebody might be finished, but then realize, oh, I actually want to add in something else. And sometimes those little add-ins are where you get the best piece of information at Mm. all. So I would always say, allow that pause and let it happen. And then when the person is finished talking, you can always edit it out afterwards. You can take out those really uncomfortable silences, but Mm -hmm. let them finish speaking because then you know you've truly listened and you've allowed the interview to go where you want it to go. So they're they're probably like the the things that a lot of people never think about when they want to be a presenter, but actually they're the things that you should put at the very forefront of, of how you go about speaking to people. That is awesome. Can I just recap this? A, not having a linear um, interview prep, but actually making it circular so you've got more freedom to move and allowing for the uncomfortable silence so that the other person fills it with, you know, whatever comes to mind really, because that's the real juicy bit. Uh, thank you, because I didn't know that. So I've just written down a note for myself. Thank you. <laughs> Pause no worries. You get that one for free, Tom. <laughs> Cheers. The next are going to be charged a lot. Of I have a feeling we're going to get an invoice after this. Time. Yeah, you better believe it. You better believe it. <laughs> let, let, let's look at the other side of the coin a little bit. Um, presenting. So you're talking about interviewing, but this is different, right? You've got presenting. And of course, after you've listened, <laughs> you have an amazing set of principles, which makes a great presenter. Well, it works very well for you. And we'd like you to be to tell us a little bit more, but we want it to be a bit more challenging. Don't just give us the principles. We want you to tell you, tell us how to practically use them. Yeah, it's funny. So I, when I started out, I kind of wanted to build something that works for me. So I came up, I do a bit of lecturing with um, college students as well. And one thing that I'm always trying to say to them is like, just build it around something simple that you can remember. So if you're standing Mm. in front of the camera, I use this thing that I like to call the three C's. So it's confidence, charisma, and care. Right. And so breaking them down into these three bits, confidence is first. It's, it's not just being confident standing in front of the camera, but it's being confident that your delivery, that you're doing it in a way that people can understand, that you're mm-hmm. confident in what you're saying and that you're physically presenting yourself. You know, body language is a big one, particularly when you're standing in front of people, whether it's you might be presenting at your business, you might be, you know, trying to d- deliver something about your thesis or, you know, anything really like it's not just down to TV presenting, but it's actually having the confidence to stand up there and speak out and hold yourself, you know, shoulders back, standing in a way that you, makes you feel comfortable as well. So confidence is a really, really big one. Charisma is the second one. And a lot of people think you can't teach this, but actually it's about the confidence piece, if you get that right, can give you the charisma to stand there and actually be able to present yourself in a way that, you know, that what we were talking about earlier, if you feel that you're really prepped for an interview and you can speak and you can stand there, that actually gives you that charisma to be able to go, you know what, I've got this, you know, like I feel really, really good about this and and I'm Mm. okay with that. So, you know, charisma isn't just being able to, you know, like walk into a room and everybody turns and sees you. It's actually having your own aura that you're really, really comfortable with because everybody's different. Some people are very shy and unassuming. Some people are really boisterous and they're out there and they totally captivate a room. But finding what works for you and using it in the best possible way to suit you is actually what's really going to deliver there for you when it comes to it. And then the last one is care. And you'd be surprised again. This is like the listening thing. Lots of people don't take care with what they're saying. You need to be really sure that is it factual? You know, have I checked it? Have I researched this to the point that I know that what I'm saying is the truth? And that's really important because like a lot of fake news out there with journalism in particular. And I think being the one that is careful that people come to and know that you are 
never going to report something that's not true or true to your mind that you've researched and that you factually believe it to be true. But just taking the care in how you say it and what you say is really important as well. So look, the three C's to me, it's something I've built a career on. And it's something that I say to a lot of the younger people when they're coming through. If you can build a career around that, I really believe that you can find something that would work for you. Maybe it's not for everybody, but I, I really think that when you apply them in there, I think you could get a lot of joy from it. Amazing. And you know, the, the biggest thing about it that comes out for me as well is how it's like you as an athlete, I'm sure, you know, you trained hard as well in the, behind the scenes and it's the same. Like people might look at you and go, wow, look, she's landed on her feet. She's on the TV screen all the time, live in Tokyo, in all these different places. But the amount of work that went in behind that, it just shows in your three C's that that exact thing you've put in so much work. There's all the, you know, the prep, the research, which we spoke about before in the pre-call as well. The amount of research you do, the amount of prep you do to get in front of the camera, it doesn't just happen. But some people yeah. think it just happens, right? That's it. Yeah. Like I used to have this idol. I mean, you'd know her as well, Nikki. Mm-hmm. Um, this lady called Marion Finucane, when I started in RTE, like she was my hero. She was a broadcaster in RTE who worked for many, many years. Mm-hmm. And she presented a program on the weekends in Ireland. And it was basically, you know, Saturday and Sunday mornings. But she was across everything that happened in the week. But like the amount of people who used to send notes into RTE saying, Jesus, you pay that woman a savage amount of money and she only works two days a week or whatever. And I remember her husband saying once that if people knew the work that she did, because she was constantly on reading papers, watching the news, being across everything. And she had this brilliant saying that I adopted later on as well. And it was, it takes a lot of homework to sound that relaxed. And it's Mm -hmm. exactly that preparation that you're talking about there, Nikki, you know, Mm -hmm. like her reading all those newspaper articles, her being across every single piece of current affairs that was moving, allowed her then on a Saturday and Sunday to sit there and grill people and be really relaxed Mm -hmm. about it. And that's the way I feel like I present a four hour radio show on a Sunday where we could be at 50 to 70 match venues in an afternoon. We have no scripts. You know, I have a sheet of paper there just that has the reporter's name, the venue and the time of the match and I just sit there and the producer might say in my ear we've got a goal at the Emirates or you know we're going to Croke Park or whatever it is and we just roll with it mm-hmm. and the only reason that I can be relaxed and sit there and know that I don't care where we go is because I know what's happening at all the venues and you know I might not know what the score is going to be but I definitely know what what the match means mm-hmm. and where the important stuff is and I think again just that idea of allowing yourself to be relaxed because you've done the work so so important you know this almost makes me think that there might be a hidden fourth c for your next university (laughs) lecture that underpins the rest of them because this no but it's true it really comes down to competence as well Mm -hmm. um because if you are in a room of of intelligent people that are awake and that are really paying attention they will know if you're bluffing Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, you know, doing your homework, whether it's for a job interview, for your career planning, for a project, to pitch business to somebody else, I think sitting down and taking the time, it may look easy when other people do it. But, you know, I promise you, everybody needs to roll up their sleeves and actually dig in. This episode has gone by in an absolute flash, Jackie. It's been <laughs> such a pleasure to sit here with you. Oh, thanks. Look, it's it's lovely to chat and know that philosophies, even all around the world, are the same. You know, that's what I think makes this really interesting and what you guys are doing, because you are hearing 
such practical advice from people that is adaptable through so many careers. And that, mm. I think that's, I think we can really learn a lot from each other, which is brilliant. So thanks for having me on. I, yeah. I've, I've really enjoyed it. Absolutely. Love being intersectional, getting a lot of different oh. things. It's the same, yeah. you know, both of our careers have been different and going to different places. So I think, as you said, like being an athlete into corporate or into media, you can use all those skills. So exactly what you just said, it's all these things can be used everywhere. And I think people don't realize that that we you can bring things from so many different places but anyway I'm not going to keep going on because we want to get these three top tips from you and if you don't want to give three that's fine because you've already given our three c's but we always <laughs> promise this at the start and we love to hear your top tips because we know everyone's listening all the way to the end so off you go like to me the biggest thing really is just that it's that perseverance piece you know I know we talked about it earlier but I think the hardest thing in any job is actually knowing what's right for you. So to me, I was a child who dreamed of doing this job and there was very little that would deter me from it. But there was a lot, a lot along the way that would have made me go, geez, maybe you could do something else. It might be a bit easier. <laughs> like there are loads of jobs that would have been easier. Like my sister is a pilot. My brother, he died a couple of years ago, sadly, but you know, he was just about to become a semi-professional motorbike racer. I think my mom and dad were like, Jesus, could any of you do a job wow. that was easy, you know? <laughs> but actually what motivates me is not the ease of life. It's actually finding something that thrills me. So hmm. to me, the top tip that I would give to people is, number one, find what you love. Make sure that you're passionate about it. Make sure that it makes you get up in the morning and want to go to work. If you don't do that, find something else that makes you want to get up. And when you find it, fight for it to the death because look I know that the three of us might be very happy in what we do but not everybody loves their career the way that we do you know mm -hmm. and some of my friends some of my colleagues there's lots of people out there who are doing jobs that just feel like god maybe I'm just waiting until five o'clock comes thankfully mm -hmm. I don't have that I really really love my job but if I wasn't so strong-willed I would have quit and I think a lot of people when they realize with this with this job in particular, how hard it is to get to the top, having the fight is what's going to get you there. So look, I suppose my, my number one tip really is to just keep fighting at it because if you stop every time somebody tells you no, you might never find what you really love. And to me, there was a lot of no's, but I'm just glad that I finally got the yes. It took a long, long time, but when the yes came, my God, it was so worth it. It really was. So uh, fight for it and um, you will get a great job that you love do you think that's because you were an athlete do you think you've got a bit yeah. of fight a bit more fight like I, I just want to talk about that a little bit I know we're running out of time but like I feel like especially women and you see that the, 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 any women who have made it to c-suite positions so top positions in big companies mm -hmm. have all been athletes um so is there you know correlation between that and how well you've done in your career yeah, well, I also think, I mean, the, the no piece is, that comes directly from being an athlete. Like, yeah. geez, you get dropped off teams and, you know, you get cut from squads and then you make it, you don't make it. You know, you're in, you're out every year. I think I just got used to that life, you know, and I think that's what, you know, that self-reflection piece like that. When you're an athlete, that you're you're the person who says you're either fit or you're not or you're in shape mm -hmm. or you're not or you're good enough to make the team or not. And like athletes are really good at that. So, yeah, the answer to your question is absolutely. I think 
the the correlation between C-suite females and and athletes is so obvious because I see the leadership skills and their ability to self-recognize when they're going off piste, Mm -hmm. you know? So for me, yeah, it's definitely been um, central to it. And the other thing with my job in particular, I think what's really helped me is that because a lot of people who I would have spoken to or a lot of people in my circles, they would know that I have empathy for them in their position. And that probably helped as well because people were always quite willing to speak to me because they knew that I suppose in, in a way I'd kind of been in their shoes and I got it mm-hmm. and I, I would never look to be nailing anybody either or being too harsh if it was one of their worst days. Like one of the mm-hmm. things that I always say, particularly when it comes to Olympic sports is, you know, always recognize that your face is probably the first date they see and their emotion is wrapped up in how you deal with them. So if mm-hmm. you shove a microphone in somebody's face and you tell them that was really bad, then <laughs> you're going to get a negative reaction. Mm-hmm. Whereas actually, if you give them a chance to say, look, how are you feeling after that? And you allow them to control the narrative, yeah. you're going to get a much more emotional interview. You're going to get a much better um, chat with them. And actually, you're going to get a much better relationship with them for the future because you allowed them to speak. And I'd like to think that my career as an athlete probably helped me yeah. with that aspect of my life too. Absolutely. Did. Which again is such a powerful example of, you know, how you listen, which is often just giving space um, for somebody else to speak. Jackie, this has been absolutely <laughs> magnificent. I feel empowered. I feel inspired. Um, yes. Thank you so much for your many wisdoms and thank you oh, for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I loved it. Thank you so much. Hey! 